my name is Melissa. I'm on staff with our ministry, and I'm married to Tony. Tony, wave, Tony. Good job. Um, he's also on staff, and uh, I just love this job, getting to work full-time with college students. You guys are just my favorite people ever, so it's like pretty awesome job to do. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just loving this quarter so much. I love how we're growing as a community this school year, and I'm so excited for fall retreat this weekend to get to know a lot of you guys so much better. It's going to be a blast. One thing that I think is really fun about getting to know people better is you get to start hearing about what they're interested in or passionate about, right? Like for one example, I've heard more about golf and fantasy football than I'm going to go with ever before in my life. From just one coworker, do you guys have any guesses by chance? Almost, but tragically, excellently, no. It is Brandon, because he happens to talk about those things I'm going to go with every day that I'm around him. Other examples, talking to Evan a little bit more this year. I've gotten to learn about some cool technology things, because he has told me about cool technology things. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Um, hanging out with Brenna. By the way, we're actually twinning today. Um, but I have learned so much more about teaching kids and kids' ministry. One-on-one um, -on with Lydia. I like that claps. That was good. That's for Brenna. Um, hanging out with Lydia, I've learned a lot more about Marvel Comics, because I'm only an MCU person, but learning about the comics, Spider-Man, and Alaska, some of her passions. Becoming friends with Caden, I've learned more about Star Wars and continue to level up my education to master level that Anakin knows nothing about. Um, Tim, I've learned about spicy electrolyte water, also chess. Still becoming friends with him, so it's, you know, kind of diverse. I asked Brayden one question about his fish tank at, like, the taco party, and that turned into, like, I don't know, a 25-minute, like, TED talk about, like, a zoology lesson um, about the different species of fish. I didn't know people knew that much about fish, so I was, like, prime information dunk. Haha, <laughs> fish tank joke that I didn't mean to make. Um, anyways, it is so fun getting to know people is my point. Um, because you get to start learning about the things that they're passionate about, like I said. Now pause, pop quiz. Did I learn those things by creeping on your social media pages and like studying stuff there to find that information? The answer is no. I don't have time for that. I just go on there for memes. Um, I learned these things by spending time with you guys and hearing you talk about what you love. Um, we love talking about the things that we're passionate about, am I right? Our passions are the funnest, they are like the funnest things, I need to slow down. The funnest things for us to talk about. And it feels super natural for us to bring those things up in conversations, right? In fact, that's kind of what our topic is about tonight, talking about our passions, talking about what we love. Our theme for this quarter is being anchored. And we've been looking at what things are wisest for us to be anchored in as followers of Jesus at Central in 2021. We've learned things like, as disciples, we should be anchored in community, in truth, in the gospel, in discipleship, like living as his follower every day, and in our identity, Last week, Brandon taught a lot about our identity and purpose, and if you missed that one, you should definitely catch up on it on the podcast, because we record all of our messages, and they are up on there as of last week. Um, as Brandon was teaching, I was, like, taking notes in my journal, as I do, and I just thought it was funny. I mean, it was a great message, but, like, it was funny that half of what he was teaching and the, the like, ideas and the verses were, like, literally what I had just written for the message tonight, um, which makes sense, because we're talking about being anchored in mission, and that makes sense because so much of our identity and our purpose informs our mission, right? We're not just like floating, aimless people with no purpose and no reason to get up every day, right? We aren't randomly here. We are people beloved of the King of Kings. We're children of the Most High God. 
we're ambassadors of God and of his kingdom. And he gives us a purpose that doesn't just make our lives here on earth super rich and super meaningful, um, but the purpose he gives us, like, it lasts beyond this earth's expiration date. It lasts beyond when we die. It lasts into eternal life. That's like the best type of investment um, that we could ever make from the limited amount that I know about stocks at this point in my life. And every day as we get to keep growing in our relationship with Jesus, learning about his purposes and his ways through discipleship, like Meredith talked about the week before. All these messages are so connected, right? They're all things that we should be anchored in. They're such a solid foundation for us. The more we grow as disciples, we learn more about our identity and purpose. Um, and as we do those things, like we grow in our love for Jesus. Every day, even no matter how many decades you walk with Jesus, at least for me, every time I learn something more about Jesus, my heart just effortlessly loves him more. It's just like a natural reflex because Jesus Christ is so worthy and so lovable and so, like, it's just a natural reflex of us to adore him every time we learn more about him. So as we dive in tonight, um, let's get those Bible pastors um, going around, and we're going to check out a passage that gives us a super cool glimpse of how the very first believers, like, were learning their purpose and identity and discipleship. So... If you need a Bible to just borrow tonight or for keeps, use forever, just raise your hand as the Bible yo symbol. And could you guys turn over to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. So as we're kind of coming midway into this, this text, right, we're 41 verses into this chapter, Peter, who's like not so secretly like my favorite disciple, he just preached this like spontaneous bomb sermon to thousands of people who had just started asking questions about like what on earth was going on. And so Peter preaches this intense message, and we're coming into verse 41. And it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day, the number of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so some of the people that were just described with all those verbs, um, they had been following Jesus for a long time, like from his earthly ministry. They'd been walking with him for, for a while. But a ton of them, like apparently 3,000 at least, had just straight up joined the family that day. Like they had just come to Jesus and entered the kingdom. And, and what did they do? This is what they became about. They started cultivating their love for Jesus in these types of settings this community that was worshiping together and praying together and studying the word, sacrificially sharing, eating carbs, bread specifically twice, all about that action, um, discipling community. Like every day they were growing more and more passionate about Jesus together because passion for Jesus just naturally grows with these kinds of like seeds and water and fertilizer and sunlight. And this is where I need Abby because I don't really know this stuff. But I feel like that's true for, for these people. Their passion for Jesus was just growing through these like ingredients and I think we can tell that, too, the more we dive into core and Chi Alpha and one-on-ones, like, our love for Jesus is just growing and our lives are changing naturally as we, as we commit ourselves to this. Okay, so, but what happens in, like, an everyday setting, right? What happens to, like, two people um, who are, like, giving their life to this? 
we're going to like zoom in from this kind of macro like bird's eye view into like a micro glimpse of an ordinary day for two guys. So start reading with me chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the, temp- to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame, paralyzed from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Pause. This is like referencing the end of the book of John, basically, like Jesus' trial and crucifixion and death and rising again. That had happened not very long ago. Okay, press play. Um, You guys disowned the holy and righteous. No, I said that. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Okay, that's like an amazing story. But what immediately sticks out to me as I read this passage from verse 1 is just how normal and ordinary this day was from verse 1. Peter and John were just cruising down the road on a normal afternoon. They were just doing their usual thing. It was just another day walking to their Tuesday afternoon class. They were just watching the game in the lounge. They were just walking to homes for their God time. They were just headed to the practice room as usual. Honestly, if they were here today and also nerds, they probably would have been on a pokey walk. It was just totally a normal day with nothing special on the calendar. Please hold. And it was the same deal for the other guy in the story, the beggar who was paralyzed and couldn't walk. The author says that he was carried to that temple gate where he was put every day to beg. This was just totally routine day for all of them. But did you guys know that God loves working in the ordinary? He loves showing up in amazing ways on normal days, possibly more than he loves parting the seas or interrupting nature's rhythms with like supernatural displays. If our eyes are just looking for the next huge earth-shattering event to be like, oh, God showed up, I challenge us to recalibrate our focus onto like the everyday life, everyday moments all around us and start to notice what he is already doing. Better yet, when you wake up tomorrow morning, just be like, good morning, Jesus. What do you have planned for us today? So back to Peter and John's excellent adventure. So the man called out to them as they were going into the cirque. Oh, weird. I mean, the temple gate. Um, And he asked them for money, like he'd probably done a million times over his life, 40 years of never being able to walk. His days just consisting of begging from passerbys. I don't know if he noticed anything special about Peter and John, but something special definitely happened. So he asked him for money, and he took, they took the opportunity 
to give him the most valuable treasure they had, the power and authority in the name of Jesus. And the result was he was miraculously healed. Just think about how much that guy's life was transformed forever in that one moment because Peter and John took a second to take a detour and minister to him. And that day, the average life expectancy was like 40-ish years. And later on, the author says that he was over 40 years old. Like, that's an entire lifetime of never being able to walk. He was past hope. I bet this guy felt just doomed to beg on the outside of God's house for however many more days or years he might have. And that's the only life he ever knew. This guy had never been able to go beyond the gates of the temple to enter inside. He was always an outsider, always just stared at always just out of reach, always watching everybody else live. But God loved him. So when Jesus' followers noticed and responded to this opportunity, they detoured to his, from their path to minister to him, and their, his life was completely changed. That day, his legs worked, and he could stand up on his own and finally walk through the gates he was always just on the outside of and enter into the place of worship for the first time like he belonged. And everybody watching was amazed, and wouldn't we be? Okay, so tonight, let's look at two reasons why I think Peter and John acted the way they did towards this guy as we think about how we are a community anchored in mission. First reason is they were looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus every day. So in the middle of Peter and John's ordinary day, they recognized this divine opportunity because they were looking for it. I don't have enough hands at this moment. We humans are cute. We're funny. Sometimes our funny little brains think that there's like a division between the sacred and the secular in our lives. Like the churchy coded hours on our Google calendar and like the school or the hangout or the normal worldly type hours, if you're a color coder person like me. But did you guys know that actually that perceived division between the sacred and the secular in our lives is just a myth? It's just a lie. When we give our lives to Jesus, we give our entire lives to him. When somebody is baptized, is it just like 40% or like one side of their head that gets wet? It's their whole self that gets dunked in the water. He doesn't just baptize our Tuesdays and our core nights and then not baptize our Fridays or weekends. It's not like our hands are sanctified when we're like worshiping Jesus in Chi Alpha, but then later that night on the internet, they're just back to worldly mode. No, our entire selves, our entire lives are devoted into following Jesus um, there's no division between like these are holy hours and these are like worldly old person, like not old person, but like old self hours. We worship him in all that we do every single day. Every moment is sacred. Every moment is devoted to Jesus and his divine use. And no matter how seemingly ordinary, God can and will work and he'll cue us to like join him and do something extraordinary in our ordinary day. And if our radar is tuned to hear him, hashtag Holy Spirit 101, we will hear him. What if each of us started thinking that Jesus is literally always with us? That he is always ready to minister to anybody we might come across? That the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you, if you are a follower of Jesus, that he is like quietly whispering instructions and guidance to you. Um, we just sometimes are the ones who haven't like fine-tuned our radio waves to like pick up on what he's saying. But what if we thought that every moment was equally qualified to be a God moment? that God does want to work through your walking to class or sitting doing homework or getting coffee at Starbucks just as much as he wants to work through you when you're at Chi Alpha or Core. That God wants to speak words through you to somebody else in the laundry room just like he does when you're in a one-on-one. -on -one. 
I still remember when I first realized this when I was a freshman in college. I was reading my Bible in my dorm room at like 10 or 11 in the morning after my morning classes when my roommate was in class. And I have no idea what I read that day. Um, But it suddenly hit me in that God time that God was present in every moment and he wanted to work through my life and work through me in every moment, not just in church at Chi Alpha. And I was like getting more devoted to him my freshman year and he, he just let me know he claimed every hour of my life as his follower. And he saw every hour as an equal opportunity to, to like do something big for him. And he wanted me to start having my eyes looking for that stuff too because he was ready to use me left and right on my campus. And I remember closing my Bible and just like bursting out of my room, going to the dining hall for lunch with eyes that felt like they had just been opened. Like who here wears glasses or contacts? So do you guys remember that like drive home from the first time from the optometrist's office with your new lenses where you just feel like an idiot the whole way home? because you're just like gazing out the window like a puppy, like, OMG, there's like tiny defined little individual leaves on those trees. Who knew? (laughs) Like, there's legible words on those blurry green signs. That seems helpful for navigating. I mean, such great ideas that we finally realize like is out there. I've obviously been there, never forget. But just like that, my eyes were open in a spiritual way that day at how much richer my world was than I was previously aware. I found myself just wanting to like hold the door open for people and like go out of my way and genuinely wish them a good day. Um, not to be like a weirdo, but just like to act to people like they're made in the image of God, not just like some person that's like in my way in line or something. Like they're made in the image of God. And if the God of the universe, the God of love lives within me, like they should feel different when I interact with them than if somebody else interacts with them. So I wanted to like interact with the lady who was swiping cards at the dining hall in a way that like made her feel like I actually cared, you know, to actually say, how are you? And like to really be present in that moment. And let me tell you, life gets so much more exciting when we realize God is present and delighting in every moment, not just the ones marked as Chi Alpha stuff or church stuff. He's way too big for that. And his heart for the lost on our campus and the every corner of our planet. I mean, it's a sphere, but I mean, you know, like every country, um, every people group, he's way too big for that to be confined to just certain hours. So back to Peter and John, we haven't forgot them. They were already living this way, I'm sure. They had already calibrated their radar to be listening for God's instructions, and they were on the lookout for chances to talk about Jesus every day. Second reason, they had rebuilt their lives around Jesus' mission. So how did Peter and John, as Jesus' disciples, sent ones into the world, how did they build their lives around Jesus' mission? We already talked about that Acts 2 kind of sneak peek into the early church, how they were growing, cultivating this love for Jesus. In, nailed it. Um, In that community, their old lifestyles had just been totally gutted and renovated from the studs through discipleship. And um, so they were like just growing in their love for Jesus every day through that community. But before Acts 2, there was another moment even earlier on when Jesus himself had given them a commission, a charge, a mission to be about that makes everything in this moment at the temple gate make sense. You guys probably know where I'm going if you've been in Kyle for a minute or two. Um, but check out with me Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came to the disciples, including Peter and John, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I feel like if I had been there and I had like heard Jesus speak those words for the first time ever on this planet, after he had like very recently come back from the dead, big deal, and right before he's visibly airlifted to heaven before my eyes, also big deal, I don't see either of those two things happening regularly. I feel like if I heard him say that, I wouldn't easily forget it. Kind of stick out. These last words were given as his marching orders to his followers, to the OG disciples who were there with him that day. And guess what? We, he like put the baton in their hands that day. He was like, guys, I just showed you how to run the race. I just created the course, literally. I'm showing you how to live for the kingdom. And I'm now giving the baton into your hands to the original disciples, telling them, go make disciples to the ends of the earth continue doing what I have just shown you how to do for three years. And guys, over the generations, over the last 2,000 some years, the baton is right now in our hands. We are the ones holding it. So this mission has become our mission that we have inherited. And back in that day, this is what Peter and John's life mission had become. Since that day, well before Acts 2, they had made their lives all about fulfilling their king's mission and obeying his marching orders every day. They'd already gotten a jump start on putting to death the my monster inside of them, the thing that says, my time, my needs, my money, my future, my plans, my desires, my career, my relationships, my major, I don't know if I ever said that, I don't have time for that, I'm too busy to stop, I and me and my life. Peter and John had already learned from Jesus that the my monster, I mean, he didn't use that term because I just made it up, but they learned that that's just the byproduct of sin in the world, it's just humans being in the flesh, like our original selves. But when we do choose to follow Jesus, we, we put that to death. And, and we just are all about coming to become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us, starts renovating us from the inside out to be like our king. And he keeps helping us, he, help, he keeps helping us put it to death. I love how Paul wrote about the my monster when he said, I think it's Galatians 2.20, I probably should have proof checked it before I put it on the slide. Um, but Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or like 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, um, which I think Brandon read last week, says, for Christ's love compels us. Like, pause there. We're talking about being anchored, right? But whenever I read Christ's love compels us, I'm like, we're anchored in the stuff, and then that's the propeller. That's like, the physics, the force, the action, like we are not stagnant and just chilling or on cruise control as followers of Jesus. We are going in a direction, like we, we just, we're, we're moving, we're action. And so this is what compels us is Christ's love. Back to the text. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one, Jesus died for all, therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, like the lady swiping cards at the dining hall. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. The, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the baton. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, 
to be sin for us on the cross so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Do you guys see how this, these verses, they just capture the image of the mind monster being put to death? Why? The mind monster is put to death so that we can super actively live out this new mission that we've inherited from Jesus, being his ambassadors, his highest representatives on this planet. His plan for reconciling the world to himself isn't just hinging on a few priests in some cathedral somewhere. It's not hinging on a few professional pastors or missionaries. His plan is us. His plan for this campus is you. We are his plan for reaching our campus and the farthest places in our globe where whole ethnologistic people groups have never heard the name of Jesus and they can't bump into somebody or find a Bible at Goodwill or something because there is nothing in their language. Nobody knows yet. That's not somebody else's concern. or That's not somebody else's job. We got the baton. That's literally our responsibility to figure out how are we going to get this done just like every other generation has carried the baton as far as they had and then handed it to us. I remember, especially in college, um, I used to freak out a lot about what I was being called to like surrender to God and what I was being challenged to give up for him. But when I eventually, probably took too long, but when I eventually stopped focusing on like what I'm supposed to give up for Jesus and I focused more on what he's inviting me to step into, I realized we're always trading up with Jesus. It's just like bigger or better. Like, okay, Jesus, here's my button. I'll take the flat screen. We are letting go of our tiny selves being on the tiny throne of our lives, which doesn't really even go well, at least for me. And we're giving that up so that trading up so that the whole world can see that Jesus is literally on the throne with a capital T. We're letting go of something that holds us back so that we can step into true freedom and purpose and like glorious freedom of the children of God. So anyways, Peter and John had already forgotten to tell the mind monster, sorry, bro, you are not in charge anymore. Eviction notice, you out. Jesus is in. He's given me a divine mission. They were already practicing shish kebabing their, their mind monster and just like living their life not for their own priorities or what's best for them or their comfort or their desires, but about Jesus and his divine global priorities. Here's some good news. We don't even have to wait for a special moment of calling to decide if we'll think of ourselves like missionaries or not. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, we just read Jesus' words calling everybody who follows him to be about his mission. If you have been crucified with Christ and the old is gone and the new creation is here, you have become his ambassador. You've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. His mission has now become your mission and my mission and our mission as his people. I heard this great quote once in a church. It said, either you're a mission field or you're a missionary. Those are the categories. There's not like a spectator section in the stands with snacks. There's not like an injured reserve. You're either a mission field if you are not yet following Jesus. Or if you are, bro, you're a missionary. So disciples of Jesus, as you are going, make disciples. As Peter and John were going at 3 p.m., into the temple, they made a disciple out of this healed man. Rather than the voice of the my monster being like the most dominant thing ringing in their, in their brains, they had made the commission of Jesus to be the beat by which they walked. And when that moment came, they knew exactly what to do. And as the story keeps going, which we are not going to read tonight, but over like the next couple chapters, um, next as they were going, this is just like spoiler alert, 
they had a chance to share the whole story of the gospel to a couple more thousand onlookers, and at least 2,000 more people became followers of Jesus and joined the fam that day, in addition to the healed man. And so you see that in chapter 3, verse 12, all the way through 4.12. So dear Central students, as you've probably already heard, Jesus has given us the same charge as well. All of us who repent of our old life and follow Jesus as Lord, we got this great commission too in our hot little hands. As we are going, we get to make disciples of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And Jesus is with us the whole time. So how about your going? As you're going to class, what might the Lord want you to do to participate in his mission? As you're going to practice in the music building or play your sport or write your code or check on your Petri dish or meet your group for a group project, how can you be on the lookout for chances to talk about Jesus, your passion? Um, kind of in closing, there's three action points for tonight. Kind of like pro tips. Number one is talk about Jesus naturally. Do you guys remember the beginning of this message? Brandon, golf, Caden, Star Wars, that type of thing. When we love something, we can talk about it really naturally, right? When reading the Bible and going to Kor and Chi Alpha is a valued part of your life, you can share that with other people without being insincere because you are literally being sincere because it's literally part of your life and something that you spend a lot of hours in and that you love, right? So when you're in class and your friends are like, hey, I don't know, I haven't been to college in a while, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> you can be like, yeah, I'm going to go do homework, take a nap, eat dinner with a bunch of friends, and go to Chi Alpha. One example of this, um, I'm leading core with this cool kid named Abby. Um, and I didn't know her too well before this year, but multiple people in the last, since September, whenever I'm done with math, this quarter, multiple people have told me, like, oh my gosh, she is like such a little missionary in her classes. Like, she talks about Jesus just so naturally in every chance she has. Not like force, but she's just so natural at it. I should probably stick to my notes so I don't embarrass her by making stuff up. Um, but, like, anyways, I was on a core date with one of the girls in my core, and she was just telling me about how um, the reason that she was in Chi Alpha this year is because of Abby. Um, they were just in an ed class working on a project together, and Abby just mentioned she's going to core that night. And then the girl was like, oh, what's that? And asked questions. Um, and then that led to my friend joining core, joining Chi Alpha, starting to re read the Bible for the first time in her life with Abby, getting to learn about Jesus. And whenever this person talks about Abby, um, she, there's just so much admiration and gratitude and loyalty and love. And I'm sure it's because Abby is just being who she is, talking about what she loves. Like, Abby's just awesome, and she just gushes love for Jesus in a natural way. And I just think that that is a great example because by just talking naturally about what she's doing that night, going to core, other people are getting to have a chance to hear about Jesus for themselves. And I love how our core keeps growing because people just keep bringing their friends and spoiler alert, you guys can do that too in all the other cores. Like, just keep bringing your friends um, and just be natural about what you already love. Okay, second pro tip is to do what you love with others. The things that you already like to do, think about doing them with friends who don't know Jesus yet. In college, for example, I was a super long-distance runner nerd, and I made sure, like, I would do half my weekly long runs with somebody from my class who didn't know Jesus, who was also obviously a long runner. I'm not going to, like, bait and switch them. Let's get coffee. 17 miles. Uh, <laughs> anyways, all you can do when you're running outside in the rain is just think and talk and be miserable or talk about Jesus. Um, 
And like me and these friends, we would just talk about what we were thinking and what we were learning in the world and its problems and what we, our beliefs were spiritually and stuff like that. I think people might argue more with like philosophical arguments or debates we bring up. Not like that's bad, but you know, like people might have disagreements about that, like the change my mind guy or whatever. But I can't remember a time anybody reacted badly to me like saying what I was thinking or learning or like telling them a story from my life. They weren't ever like, that's not true. It was like, I was there. <laughs> I journaled it. It happened, you know? Just naturally sharing what God has done in our lives. How can people refute that? Like, we just naturally show our love for Jesus and, like, what we're learning about. I would share stories of what I've seen on mission trips or share about, like, oh, yeah, I really struggle with body image, too, and, like, it's still tough, but, like, God's healing me and setting me free or, like, wow, I had a broken heart, and he, like, really ministered peace to me. Like, just being ourselves, doing what we love with others, God works so much through that. So what do you do that you could do with somebody else? Do you play basketball or Pokemon Go or video games or board games or drink coffee or possibly eat? You could do any of these things with another person, whoever God's putting in your brain even right now, so that you can build a friendship um, and naturally just be sharing about Jesus, your passion. When God is our passion, we naturally talk about him. Last of my action steps is to jump on chances to be 100% on God's mission. So obviously, most of this commission, as you are going, make disciples in our normal life. But just like we'll experience about fall retreat this weekend, at times, taking a tiny break and getting plucked out of our context of Central and getting to focus all on Jesus is so rich and so exciting. So there's a lot of value in interrupting our normal context, all the pressures and laundry and dishes and distractions um, to just let go on a short-term trip where we get to focus 100% for a week on Jesus and his mission. So in Chi Alpha, our favorite is called Spring Break Outreach. That's what's up. Yeah, Spring Break Outreach, or SBO, um, is where we send teams from our Chi Alpha group during our spring break to other campuses who are not on the spring break, or it would be lonely, um, and we just get to practice like making friends for Jesus and, and getting to have spiritual conversations with people you don't have to worry as much about if you mess up or are awkward because you're, you're going in a few days back home. Like you get to practice and get to like creatively grow in ministry skills in that context. And, and they are just such incredible trips and it's like crazy awesome week. Um, and just how much you'll grow and how much you'll see God do when your eyes aren't distracted by homework or checking like canvas or other stuff like that. And you're just focus on Jesus and his mission with your team and your peeps. Um, so we're going to talk more about that next week at Chi Alpha. Um, we're kind of lining up universities as we speak. Well, you know, this week. Um, and yeah, but I just want to encourage you guys to start thinking about, am I going to say yes to the gift of spending my spring break on mission with Jesus and a bunch of friends making disciples? But yeah, there's jump on chances to get a focus 100% on God's mission for a bit. Okay, the story of Peter and John's excellent adventure ends with this last part I want to read you guys in closing. Acts 4, verses 12 through 13. So Peter says, oh, this is like after the whole healing and then everybody's freaking out and challenging him and the religious leaders are panicking and asking questions. And Peter preaches probably another bomb sermon. And verse 12, Peter says to everybody listening, salvation is found in no one else, for there is just no other name but Jesus under heaven by which mankind must be saved. And when they, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished 
and took note that these men had been with Jesus. If you feel like you're unschooled, like haven't been to seminary or something, if you feel more or less ordinary, being with Jesus is the only qualifier that I see for being an effective witness. Does that have a specific time frame prerequisite attached to it? Nope. People who have only been following Jesus for five minutes have an incredible story to tell. People who are brand new to reading their Bibles and just like getting their minds blown every day as they read something in the Bible and are like, how long has that been there? And just like, this changes my life. Like, you can just share that. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You just share what you just learned with somebody else. I love when people do that. God is so good at proving himself to others, you guys. He's so good at convicting them in like the deep depths of their souls that we can't reach. Our main job is to share. Our main job is to talk about our passion, to, as we are going, let people know about the great God who loves them. And when he prompts us to, like, go talk to that person over there, or, like, look, that person looks really sad, go be their friend, um, we can obey him and do that and rebuild our whole lives around Jesus' mission rather than the mind monster's demands. So as the worship team comes up, here are the application questions for us to focus on as we start responding to Jesus tonight. First one is, what do you need to surrender to Jesus tonight? It could be your whole self if you haven't defined the relationship with him and like jumped all into following him for the rest of your life. It could be something that the my monster has a pretty tight grip on still at this point in your life. Could be like future plans or current priorities. If there's something, just remember it's bigger or better. Talk to Jesus tonight about trading up with him. Second is how can you start sharing with other people? Like in class, like Abby, or just doing something that you love to do with other people? What's a story from your life that you can just share to show God's incredible love and his amazing power? Or something that you read in your God time this week you can share with somebody else? I'll just pray to to transition us. Jesus, thank you so much for creating us with a purpose and helping us know and walk in our new identity. I love that the mission you invite us to is just the best investment we can make, helping people cross from death to life, from sin to freedom, from being lost to being found. I pray that you'd speak to all of us tonight, Lord, and help us know how to take our next step in being anchored in mission. Set us free from the mind monster tonight, God. Help that set us free from what's holding us back. Give people ideas of how to start reaching out to um, certain friends and investing in them. And I pray that we would see daily people added to our number who are being saved. Yeah. And use us, King Jesus. Amen.